0: Hello and welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week, as usual, I'm joined by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. We've only gone and done it again, haven't we? A third win in a row, a second victory within the space of a few days, and lads, it is a great time to support Newcastle United at the minute, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's not often you can say that, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, it just feels a bit surreal winning games of football every, well, three of them anyway. Um, God knows what it'll feel like if I actually go on some sort of run at the other end of the table. But it's no, it's it's, it's really, really good. I mean, the performance against Aston Villa, I don't think it was quite as um, impressive as the Everton one by any means. But it doesn't really matter. We got the job done. This first half, I thought we played some really nice stuff and could have actually got one more ahead. Um, I think the, the chance that I'm thinking of... Maybe when Chris Wood could have slid in Ryan Fraser for a one-on-one. Second off, I mean, as a fan being there, it it was absolutely horrible. It was horrible to watch. (sighs) It really was. But we hung on solid defensive displays. And when you're out of the stadium, you can kind of reflect and go, Other than the offside goal that they scored, they never really had a big chance at all. And that's got to be a huge plus and praise down to the defence and the organisation of the team, which... Seems to have really, really improved of late, and a huge reason for why we're winning these games of football.
2: It wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. I think that's all that is needed to mm-hmm. be said about it. It was one of those really strong defensive performances, and you you nick the one chance that you get, or well, in this case, you have a really good free kick taker that's Kieran Trippier, who scores free kicks for fun. Um, but like. That was, that was it for us as well. Like, there was no real massive end-to-end stuff like we predicted on the pod this time last week, where it was gonna be end-to-end tantalizing stuff. Coutinho was basically absent from the game. Um, and as Dan said, yeah, our, our defensive performance is one to be looked at. It, it never normally happens, but hey, when it does, it's, it's bloody brilliant.
0: Yeah, there's been a massive switch in mentality. I think that's that's the big thing. And it's just nice to see us keeping clean sheets. And, like you said, both of these lads were actually really tight at the back. And Villa are a you know, we've seen them the game before against Leeds, scored three goals. I mean, we were talking on this podcast saying, how are we going to be able to, you know, cope with Jacob Ramsey and Philippe Coutinho in particular? And other than the offside goal, Aston Villa offered nothing. And I think a lot of that is, yes, they didn't play very well, but I thought Newcastle's defence were very, very good. The thing I'm finding really annoying is whenever Newcastle win a game, you've got fans of other clubs and pundits turning around and saying, oh, yeah, like, for example, Aston Villa, they were rubbish today. It's the worst we've seen them play. What about a little bit of credit for Newcastle in the way they've played? Look, three wins in a row now. They're out of the bottom three. I think the first half performance is something I'd like to talk about because I think that's the best we've seen all season I know the second half wasn't too great but the Trippier injury which we'll, we're going to get onto in depth I think we went into our shells a little bit and fortunately got over the line but that first half performance it was a it was a, a top I think it was a, a top ten standard performance from us
1: Yeah I think it was um, if you're talking levels of performance you'd probably put it up there with the second half against Everton Yeah, which you know the following one after each other it's nice to see the momentum was carried into it and yeah you know it's just we had something about us going forward. I mean, the midfield was the most solid, I think, we've seen it all season, really. And that's without the marquee signing to come in. And Bruno, defensively, didn't really offer them anything. And yeah, it's just, it was complete. I think that's the word I'd use. It was quite a complete performance, really, in that first half. And definitely deserved to be at least one goal ahead at the break.
2: I've been waiting for both of you boys to use the word that I'm thinking of and neither of you did so I'm really glad about this Cool. Um, it was confident (laughs) that's it Yeah. it was confident there's (laughs) no real other way to word it it was, it was confident and that's what happens when you go back to back wins in this Premier League and then earn your way into a third is you get confidence and hopefully we'll carry that this weekend
0: yeah I think that's a A good way of putting. It. I think the confidence levels have, have, have shot up massively and you know wins have brought that and I think Trippy has brought that. I think the new signers have brought that. And like we've you know, like you said there, the the confidence, you only get that from winning football matches. Because how many times a season? I think it's twenty one points we've dropped from winning positions where, you know, mentally they just couldn't get over the line. And now they just look so composed. I mean, we've how many times have we watched Newcastle, especially this season where we're hanging on in games and you just know they're gonna score? Yes, of course we were all nervous, sat in the ground on Sunday. But I, I felt that we were in control. I always thought we'd get over the line. That's something I've not been able to say about this team for for so long. Uh, I want to touch on the the free kick. And obviously, the the first thing that happened was we were actually awarded a penalty. And from where I was sat, it did look like a penalty. Joe Willock brought down who I thought was was excellent on on Sunday. But went to VAR, and <laughs> the free kick came along, and I thought. When I saw the VAR check, a bit of me was thinking, I kind of hope this is a free kick because I don't fancy Chris Wood to score the penalty, but I do fancy Kieran Trippier to score it. Were you like the same?
1: I think I would have rather had the penalty, obviously, but there's some feeling. I think I spoke to my mates at the Game of As well, they're saying the same things. Like, there's something see, about when everyone saw Chris Wood holding the ball, I don't think anyone fancied him in the nah. stadium at all. And I think it's just because he's not had the best time in front of goal in a Newcastle shirt. It would have been a great opportunity for, for, to open his account. But there yeah, then, I think it was, wasn't was I prefer a free kick. It was always like, oh, good, we've got a Actually, we've got a free kick with Kieran Trippler. Yeah. That's not too much worse anyway. And yeah, it well, it's not the best free kick he'll ever take, is it? He got a lucky deflection. But all he can do is hit it hard, not hit the wall, and put it in an area that could trouble the goalkeeper because it's it, pretty much impossible to get it up and over from that sort of distance. And he did that. And he got a lucky deflection, and Newcastle deserved the lucky deflection. Ch- Kieran Trippier deserved the lucky deflection, and yeah, two two free kicks in two games, well three and three if we include John Jules at Leeds. That must be a, a new,
0: uh, new is, stat for Newcastle United yeah. in the Premier League. I mean, I must say, it, Alex, it's nice to get a bit of luck, isn't it, for once?
2: Yeah, of course. Like everyone really loves luck, and it, it's always amazing. Um, I'm going to be the one that rains on both of your parades, um, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'd, I never thought it was a penalty like um, it was very really? clearly outside the area. Yeah,
1: at the stadium I was right. in line and I was like I thought it was like halfway between the the edge of the two boxes. Like, I was like that's so far in, and then see we play, it is just outside. But obviously at the time I was adamant that was inside the. Box. Well, I was
0: on the halfway line, so I couldn't really see, but I just seen him go down, and obviously Willock like, he fell down in the box. So I was like, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a definite pen. And then when they pulled it back, I was like, eh, and then obviously you see. The, the video and it's so, like yeah it's clear, clear
2: it, on telly, it looked like a free kick on the Sky Sports thing it looked like a free kick from Woodgo so I see Chris Wood with the ball and I'm like he's not taking this free kick what's going on here? <laughs> oh, I, oh he's, giving it, he's giving it as a penalty right okay that's fine and this is going to be shot off by VAR so I was never really hype about the pen um, ah. but the, the free kick if you analyse the actual kick itself and the actual dead ball situation we've done something a little bit different with the wall that I don't know if any of you have noticed, we've kind of made this mini two wall away from the other wall as well that is creating more space to block off. And it has caused Brendier obviously, this time, to go in front of it and try and block it away when they move away. And that's what, obviously, also caused um, Jordan Pickford some issues uh, for Everton, was the two-man wall that split away. So whether it's Kieran Trippier like, having a little bit or whether it's Eddie Howe... Like, secretly doing some training ground shenanigans with free kicks and a set-piece maestro that's, a, that's Kieran Trippier, or a big mixture of both, or, as Harry said, it was just really lucky. You can have either one of them. I'm personally taking the first one, that Eddie Howe's a tactical genius.
0: Uh, Eddie Howe's definitely a tactical genius, but one man who is a genius is Dan Byrne. I think that's one of the best debuts I've ever seen at St James's Park, especially in defence. I think Jonathan Woodgate, in terms of performances, you know, instant impact... I thought Dan Byrne was right up there. I mean, man of the match performance, you know, won every ball. He, he just. I think it also showed as well, like, how poor Newcastle have been in defence, that this lad can just come straight into the team and already be a class above anything we've seen for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I was actually really, really impressed with how good he was with the ball at his feet. Yeah. Like, for a six foot seven centre-off, it's not what you'd think at all. And we kind of heard... Brighton fans say stuff like that and pundits say you know he's actually pretty good with his feet but I didn't think he'd be that good I mean there's times where he's taking balls down and calmly he's distributing it forward and it's like we don't have anyone that that's done that before he's tall he won everything in the air I mean he took a chunk out of Tyron rings shirt <laughs> it was just the complete debut really um, I'm happy to be proved wrong because I wasn't too sold on the signing but yeah if he has more performances like that then it's an absolutely fantastic piece of business.
2: Yeah, I think we we talked about it on this pod, didn't we, Harry? When when he originally was signed after like, the the transfer window had gone, when um, Dan mistakenly went to the pub, like how much of a <laughs> great of a of a great ball bringer down he is because of the the Sergio Aguero clip where mm-hmm. Aguero gives him um, like gives him some respect for bringing the ball down and passing it out. So there is clips of him out there doing that, um, and obviously it is a little bit of a hidden secret that uh, Dan Burn can also play obviously right back and he has played centre defensive mid in his career but yeah again complete performance the um, absolute brilliance of just winding Tyra and Mings up as well was really really great we all love to see that (laughs) when you defender and possibly one of the leaders of that back line are just getting into the opposition right there but no again we knew it was going to happen because he is such a force and he's so tall but the more important thing is we got him standing next to Ryan Fraser that's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah also, brilliant.
0: I think that's really important to, for us to look at is the performance of the midfield as well, because like Bruno can't get into the team, and that's unbelievable to say that. if you said that a month ago that you'd bring in a forty million pound player from Lyon, who's you know his his stats are off the scale for them, Brazilian international, and he can't even get into a, a, a three man midfield which consists of Joe Willock, Joe Linton, and John Joe Chevi. I think he'd be laughed out of town. But you know, consider an Aston Villa's midfield as well. I mean, McGinn, Ramsey. Uh, and Douglas Luiz I mean that's a hundred million pound plus midfield isn't it all and they dominated them like, there's nothing much more needs to be said about that is there
1: no quality I think the only thing I'd like to add is I don't think Bruno will be the only Brazilian international centre midfielder we have in a few <laughs> Very months <true>. time <laughs> honestly the performance of Joe Linton he's for me it was between him and Dan Byrne for the man of the match he was everywhere the engine on this kid is ridiculous his passing is some is just improved off the scale I, I just love watching him play football. I have loved the narrative arc of, that we've seen with Joe Linton. and Villa was one of his finest moments yet again. He seems like we're saying this often. But yeah, I'm absolutely loving Joe Linton at the minute. I think you can't take him out of the team at, whatsoever.
2: Yeah, he definitely is going through that purple patch of form that we, we love to see. It. Um, I know that you guys really like stats, um, so let's go through some. Um, in the last yes. five games, 27 tackles, 10 interceptions, um, which obviously... Leads to thirty-seven tackles and interceptions. That's more than any other midfielder in the Premier League over the last five games. It's mad. Not like he, it,
1: sh- it shouldn't be possible. Like this is a sen- This is a flop of a striker that we signed from Germany. Never played this position before, and he's the he's the numbers he's doing, and the performance he's putting in rivals anyone in the division. It's just bonkers.
0: Yeah, because I mean, the only reason this all came about was Kieran Clark's red card against Norwich. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. We're all very thankful for Kieran Clark. like, thank you, it's probably the best thing he's done at the club, <laughs> getting sent off against Norwich, so we've unleashed this unbelievable powerhouse of a central midfielder, but I don't think we can, you know, brush past Joe Willock's performance as well, because I'm 100% past accuracy. he's another one that worked his socks off, and, you know, I think if anyone's looking to take one person out of that midfield to bring in Bruno, I think it would be Willock, but you can't drop him for West Ham, can you?
1: He's come in for a lot of criticism this season and for for the most part, I was kind of like, I'm still seeing the flashes I've seen last season. He's just less confident. And then there was a period where he kind of looked like he was going through the motions a little bit and I was like, oh, he's he's lost it here. Recent weeks, we've seen that again, but he's as he's as good as he was last season. He's just not got that confidence front of goal. I mean, we've seen... There was a chance in the first half, edge of the box. Last season, he's putting that in the back of the net. No questions asked. He, it went straight into the Liza stand. Like that's the only thing missing from his game from his loan spell. Now, in my opinion, he's playing that well.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to he's a lot deeper as well. Like it, it's it's he's not got that free rein that Steve Bruce kind of gave him. So I think it was always I think we always had to give him time. But if he starts adding like that, he's goal scoring back to that game then. You're looking at a a top minute national midfield. I mean, Alex, what do you think of the midfield and the whole debacle with Bruno?
2: Well, like, obviously, he's got to find his way into the team. Leon have been playing a completely different way than Newcastle United over the past couple of seasons and his entire career. He's never worked into a team like this. So he's going to find his feet. Um, A touch on Joe Willock, and you specifically said it there, Harry, him starting with the ball deeper. A stat coming out from the Chronicle is that he's carried the ball 447 yards with 235 of that going forward in the last three games. He's been outstanding in terms of his ball carrying and his dribbling. Only Alan Maximan is doing more, and that's why he obviously remains in the side. So him and Joe Linton. And then at the moment, you cannot drop John Joe Shelby because he is the only accurate passer in this team. He's phenomenal. So, yeah... We we unfortunately are gonna to have to keep it like this. Um I think Bruno might get in if there's an injury. We don't hope for an injury out of anybody, but I, I want to see him getting a couple more minutes. It was due to injuries, he didn't get more minutes against Aston Villa, but maybe against West Ham we we might get the last half an hour or something. Yeah. I get
1: the whole point about not wanting to change a winning team, but then sometimes you shouldn't be afraid to do that if Eddie Howe thinks that actually West Ham They've got a lot of players that can hurt us. Bruno is typically more of a defensively-minded midfielder. You know, he sits a bit deeper. He breaks up play quite well. We've we've seen that already in the few minutes we've seen of him. He can break up play. Then maybe he might be tempted to put him in ahead of a a John Joe Shelby. Um, And Alex correctly mentions that John Joe Shelby's passing ability, probably Bruno can rival that. So maybe you're not losing that so much. So I think whilst I agree none of them deserve to be dropped, sometimes you have to look at the game ahead and think... Courses for courses kind of thing. Would it be a wise decision to change it?
0: I think sure, it's a really difficult decision for how to make, really. Because, I mean, look, Bruno's come in to like be the main man, hasn't he? And, you know, start every week. And he can't get into this midfield. It, it But you can't drop him because none of them have done anything wrong. So it's it's a massive call to see what he does. But for me, I would just keep it the way it is. I think we probably all would, to be fair. But I don't think anyone would be disappointed to see him start.
1: seen the Rangers' score?
0: Yeah, 4-1. They are a bafflingly Good. great team. <laughs> they were awful the other week against Celtic. Absolutely terrible. Sorry, anyway, I have
1: seen that. I was like, eh.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking up. I've of Morelos, loving it. Would not want him at Newcastle, as much as he'd be very, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you 2.0. It actually be. Kieran Trippier. Yeah. Come on, lads, let's talk about it. Because, you know, the win was great. And, you know, three wins in a row, out of the bottom three, four points clear of Norwich. Yeah, but Kieran Trippier has just broke his foot, hasn't he? We think it's going to be six weeks, but I seem to think it's going to be a little bit longer than that. Massive blow, leader on and off the pitch, wore the captain's armband on Sunday, scored two free kicks in as many games. Comfortably one of the best players I've seen play for Newcastle for as long as I can remember. And it looks like we're going to be without him for virtually the rest of the season. Is he the last player you'd want to lose out of this team?
1: Um, yeah, for me, I mean, it's probably between him and Alan sitt Maximan, but yeah, I think the difference he's made has just been phenomenal. Um, he's a—I he, don't doubt that he can still have a positive impact off the pitch, but when he's on the pitch, so he just lifts the game of everyone else. It seems like he's a common influence, and it's kind of—I think the period after he got taken off injured, we looked—is when we looked at our worst in the Aston Villa game and are less assured, and that's no coincidence, in my opinion. I think. He's just a top top class talent and it's a really bitter blow for our season
2: yeah 100 like i think six weeks as you said that harry is really really optimistic um i've never seen anyone come back from an injury like this after six weeks so um that would be magical um i personally i've said it privately to the pro review um i think he's out for the rest of the season Um, I don't think we'll see him in a Newcastle shirt uh, again in the 21-22 season. Um, But if he can rest up, get better and get as fit as he possibly can and possibly even fitter for um, the next season, I'll have him. Um, Because I think what he's done has probably done us enough to put us over the top and keep us safe. It's an interesting one, I think. What I would do with Trippier is obviously
0: assess it. Look, I mean, the, the facilities that the club have got will be, you know, ridiculously good for anything like this. He'd be able to come back a lot faster than you know Joe Public would. But if we're in a situation where we're safe come April time, I wouldn't risk bringing them back. It's like with Callum Wilson last season when he picked up that injury, and they just said he wasn't going to play the last three games and just you know focus on his recovery. I think that's probably what the club will do. But I just hope we're not in a situation where we need to rush him back to. Know, try and galvanize us, but I think we're on a we're on an upward trajectory at the minute. Look, in football, things can change very quickly, but you know, quickly on the, onto the survival hunt, I think we are looking very, very good. and I think a win on on Saturday would be a, a step, a massive step in the right direction towards Steiner because look, four points clear, and the teams below us they don't really look like doing anything other than Norwich, who are having a you know a good spell at the minute. But I think I think their peaks. I think, I don't think they're going to get much better than than what they've had in the last few weeks.
1: No, and I think it's worth mentioning Brentford as well. I mean, they've been yeah. horrendous of late, really, and where what I think we're three points behind them with two games in hand, and we've got them to play coming up in the week after West Ham as well. Like, I think they've got more chance of going down than Newcastle at the minute. I think I generally think it will be three or four, and Newcastle aren't one of those four anymore. Like, I three wins is so big, and while it's only four points, we've shown we can do it. Bruno's only going to come in and get better. The whole team's going to come, improve, obviously, without Trippi, which is a shame. But yeah, I, I'm really, really confident. I've never been more confident at any point in the season that we're going to stay in this division.
2: I think we're going to stay up, Alex. 100%. Yeah, I said it uh, in the previous thing. I think we're up. Um, and I, as soon as January started and we saw the players we were linked to, i said on this board, I, I think we're staying up. <laughs> um, there's there's no doubt about it. I completely agree with um, Dan that Brentford are getting sucked in on this, um, their results are, are just frightfully shocking and I can't understand why because they haven't changed the way they're playing, they haven't got any major injuries, It it is a Blackpool situation all over again, um, it, those that are, are old enough to remember Blackpool in the Premier League, um, you guys were probably a little bit young, um, but yeah, um, it is a Blackpool situation all over again and Blackpool went down, so Possibly might happen. Um, it'll be sad because obviously we we kind of like Brentford. But if I'm gonna pick them or us, it's definitely them.
0: <laughs> yeah, Brentford's an interesting one because I think it's a lot like Sheffield United syndrome, but it's happened halfway through the season for them, where teams have found out how to play against them. Yeah. And the home form I think's carried them a lot. And I think I think they'll still stay up. I think they'll just do enough. But I think we'll finish above them now. I think we'll finish sixteenth or maybe maybe even fifteenth, whatever happens with the leads and their injury situation. But Yeah, Brentford, they've just kind of dropped off massively. I mean, the the, the fortunate thing for them is they picked up points early on in the season. I think when they beat Watford a few months ago, they were ninth in the league or something. And all the pundits were raving about them, saying, oh, that's them, you know, they're safe. And they can, you know, can kind of not ease off, but they can start to look towards next season. It looks like they've got on the beach a little bit too early because they've been sucked into a, a big relegation battle. And, you know, we play them next weekend that, that's a that's a huge game and obviously Dan's going courtesy of his match in And so but talking of of right backs and, and you know Kieran Trippier's absence and Javier Manki will be the first man to step in in place of Trippier Manki has picked up an injury of his own he's going to be out for a couple of weeks so it means that the uh, the onus is on Emil Kraft to to fill in the void at right back are we confident have him there because i think Alex you're kind of on the side of i don't trust him and I think me and Dan are kind of like, I
2: think you'll do an alright job. I think you'll you know you'll get by. Well, I don't trust him. I that the man plays more centre back than he does right back. There's a reason for that. Um, <laughs> I, he's not a good right back. But I mean, it, would I rather have him or Jacob Murphy at right back? Well, there's only one answer because only one's a right back, and that's Emil Kraft. So I I'm not entirely sure. Um. I I will wait to reserve official judgment on the bloke um, until after West West Ham, where I am very much not looking forward to him getting rinsed by Jared Bowen every 90 minutes. So, yeah, that's going to be a bundle of fun.
0: Thing is, with Kraft, it was like he was. I thought he was a little bit shaky against Villa. I mean, he was arguably would have been at fault for the goal. But when you're coming into Phil Trippier's booths, you're up against Dini and Coutinho. I don't think it gets much harder than that in the league. And he played against Man United. And I thought he was excellent. So if, if we get the man united Emil Kraft I think I think we'll be all right for the next two games.
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm it, he's not Kieran Trippier. You're not going to have Emil Kraft on set pieces are you? Like. No. <laughs> but that being said against Aston Villa he he did a job I thought um he was solid. He does the basics quite well. He's not extraordinary. But yeah, I think we've just got to get behind him and, and to be honest I think Mancure has not got we're talking about Mankio because he's not out for long-term, and Trippier trip is. Mankio is more than capable of filling in, I think. I think he's actually, the performances that he's putting in are of a really high standard, but because we've signed two new fullbacks that are really quite good, he's not getting looking at the minute. So I think Mankio coming in is not, after he's injured and what have you is a really good option. Kraft is there as an understudy, and you know hopefully Matt Target can stay fit and because uh, he had a good debut against Everton.
0: Yeah, Target, I mean, look, we were without him against Villa and I think we struggled. I don't think Manqueo, he look, he's not a he's not left-back. I, I wouldn't be playing him there week in, week out. I mean, Target, I think against Everton in particular, I think we've seen how good he was because St Max Maxman didn't really have to get back as much. and That obviously freed up him to you know to, to use his game going forward as opposed to on Sunday where I thought, Maxi had to drop a little bit deeper I think Chris Wood would come in and fill in for his position, it would leave us a little bit short up front. So I think having Target back I think it really could counterbalance losing trip here. I don't know what you think about that one, Alex.
2: Yeah, of course. Um like I, I will happily just very quickly recycle back to the evolution of Javier Manquillo. Like at the beginning of the season we were all really willing to just move on from him and just go, Yeah, it it was nice while it lasted but Bye. Um, we don't want you really in this team anymore, or anywhere near anything. And now we're talking about him as one of the most dependable players in in this club. Like the evolution of of that this season, and his personal evolution is outstanding. It's really, really incredible. Remember, this is a lad that came to us from Sunderland. Like he's he's not exactly like Newcastle bleeds the black and white and does everything <laughs> like that, but he is uh, he is he's a little cult hero, I think, in the, in this club. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really quite happy to have um, Matt Target back. I think he's he is phenomenal. Um, he is the best left-back left we've got at the club. Um, I was a little bit um, weirded out by the, some of the comments he made to TalkSport this week. But again, um, I put that as in like TalkSport, were asking him really quite leading questions and um, he let his media training drop just a little bit. Um, but that's not the first time he's done that Um as a footballer so yeah those comments were a little bit okay um, like I strain my face when, when you do it that kind of thing but no on the pitch he, he does everything brilliantly
0: I don't think his comments were too bad on talks but I mean he had Gabby Agbongho asking him questions Mr Aston Villa himself so it was always a struggle from there I think he was pretty honest to be fair I mean he turned around and said look I'm, I am I didn't want to really beat Villa for the rest of the season because I knew I'd be sitting on the bench against Dini I mean they've brought in a thirty pounds left back He's gonna sit in the bench so you know the credit target is he's got himself out on loan and he's letting his football do the talking so I thought he was impressive against Everton a, a class above what we've already got a bit like Dan Byrne. and you know hopefully we, we get that a similar performance like that against against West Ham and like Mankeo. I think underappreciated is the word I'd use for having Mankiw I don't think he's a cult hero but he, he's just kind of gone under the radar I think yeah, he's been second choice for pretty much the whole time he's been here really I mean he He was behind Yedlin for a long time, for two or three, four seasons, and now obviously behind Trippier, Jacob Murphy. So, look, I think Mankiw, he's always done a solid job for Newcastle, and, yeah, I think we're all looking forward to getting him back. Uh, But on to West Ham, we will be without Mankiw for that game, as well as Kieran Trippier, but we're in a good form at the minute, three wins in a row, looking up as opposed to looking down, which is, you know, always nice. And West Ham, yes, fighting for a spot in the top four, doing very well this season, but they aren't playing very well, are they, at the minute? And do we have a legitimate chance of going down here as opposed to, let's say, a few weeks ago where we'd probably just say, look, it's a write-off. If we can get a point, it'll be a miracle.
1: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, they're, they're obviously a good team of good players. I mean, look at the form of Jared Bowen, who Alex touched on before. I mean, but like you said, there's definitely weaknesses there. I mean, I think Leeds went there quite recently and, and got all three points. Like, Brentford won come- then. Brentford won there, they do concede goals. Kidderminster should have beat them. I yeah. don't know how that was a bit gutting, to be honest. <laughs> it's um, a horrible game to watch. Like, it is a hard game, and but it's like you say, there's Newcastle. There's a realistic chance of Newcastle actually getting something out of this game.
2: Yeah, they're, they're a very up-and-down team. Um, I certainly think the last few results um, that they've had, they have kind of done their business. Um they arguably should have won the Man United game um, earlier before the Kidderminster FA Cup game. As you mentioned, the um, the Leeds game, uh, they did swat aside Norwich e- easily two nil, um, and yeah, like the the Leicester game was was just crazy uh, last weekend. Like that was a, a really strange game. So they have played a lot of football in in, in a lot like of time really. Um, if you think about it, they played certainly a lot more games than we have. So. Thickness might be an issue, um, tiredness, all that kind of jazz. But what what I definitely will say is um, we've got history of going down there and getting points, so why not?
0: I mean, they've won one of their last five Premier League games, which for a side fighting for the top four isn't that great. I mean, they've got a 2-2 draw against Leicester. It's probably the most disjointed Leicester team we've seen for at least five years. I mean, they want the manager out. You know, a lot going on there. Scraped the draw because of a handball as well. That goal should never have counted. They scraped past Watford 1-0. It was a deflected goal. Well, I would like to think Watford aren't as good as Newcastle. And then, obviously, the Kidderminster game, I mean, look, embarrassing for them, won the match. Man United, if you lose to Man United now, that's a really, really bad result. I think a draw is the minimum you've got to get against that side now. And then they lost the lead to, you know, we, we won. I mean, it wasn't a comfortable win, but it felt like it could have been two or three. So, I'm I'm going down there with, with confidence. That's all we really ask for as Newcastle fans, don't we? We just that's we just really want to go down to these games and think we've got a chance. And we we certainly do, don't we? It's worth noting Chris Wood's goal-scoring record
1: against West Ham as well. I think he scored 7-9 against West Ooh. Ham. A bit like Callum Wilson, career. he loves playing against is, him as well. He is like Callum Wilson, but taller and with less pace. <laughs> but less injury-prone.
0: Well, that's, that's the big thing, isn't it? That's why they paid the money. Uh, Alex, you kind of touched on it before with uh, Emil Kraft and who he might be up against, and I think it's going to be Saeed Rama. Does that worry you a bit?
2: Anybody up against the craft always mean a little bit, Harry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyone does, but no. Um, ben Ramas one of them players where you don't really hear him shine a lot more like he did early on in the season. He was he had his little purple patch of form and he was great. Um, but it has been the main man, Jared Bowen, uh, recently. That's been the the story of that. Uh, ben Rama is obviously a dangerous footballer that's tricky um, and can provide a lot of. Really, really good balls, not only from set pieces, but up and play as well. So, yeah, he's obviously a dangerous character. But um, for me, and I think for a lot of pundits and scouts and everybody, is the, the eye in the battle is going to be on Gerard Bowen. Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to have Target on him, hopefully. So I think
0: we'll try and keep him quiet. But the form that the Bowen's been on at the minute, I mean, if, if you can remember as well, when he was at Hull and eventually did join West Ham, he actually wanted to come to Newcastle. He made a big plea, no, scene. No, he didn't no. want to come to West Ham. He wanted to come to Newcastle, and I think he's, I think he's made a fantastic choice going to West Ham in the end. Because I don't think definitely, he would, I don't think he would have been here to be honest, if if he, you know, at the time he would have arrived. But he took the league by storm this season. I think we're gonna have a real tough afternoon, but with Burn and Target on that left side, I'm, I'm confident we can, we can keep him quiet. Obviously, we talked about the midfield debacle before with, with Bruno in particular, and whether you would bring him in. Obviously, Rice and Suchek extremely important to West Ham. A lot of the reason why they're fighting for a spot in the Champions League once again this season. What does Alan saint Maximan have to do to make himself a nuisance in this game? Because I think they'll deploy a similar method uh, to what Everton and Villa tried, and that is just get three or four on them at all times. For me, it's all about where he
1: picks the ball up, how effective he can be. If it's high up the pitch... It's not necessarily something he can do. It's all about the team shape and not sitting too deep. Because if we are sitting deep and defending, he's naturally going to be coming and looking for the ball, which is what you'd expect him to do, what you'd hope him to do. Mm-hmm. If we can just as a team play higher up the pitch and get and as a result get him higher up the pitch, that's how you get the best out of him. And that's not necessarily something he can do. It's the team collectively has to get the best out of Alan St Maximum, I think
2: and the other one as well is, and please hear me out there here this is going to sound really strange come on so just just just, <laughs> just chill it out right i'm ready if he can win fouls and yellow cards now i'm not asking him to dive please don't ask him to it depends to on who the dive or, is or, mind or, or or cheat or do anything like that i really i'm not asking him to do that but that's what he did against villa picked up an early booking like and the villa players were, went off him for about 10 15 minutes and then went back in and, and all that lot if he can do that against West Ham and it's either Rice or Suchek or Kran, any of the lads that are there like do that make sure it, it's on there and then definitely he can take full advantage of that if we can pick up bookings and yellow cards from him running riot that's all that we really need because then players will not be able to foul him and if they do make a second foul we'll have that man advantage and definitely um you know, be able to take advantage of it because every time we've had a man advantage this season or uh, over the last two seasons sorry we've won the game so it's absolutely fine
0: i think with max i think chris wood's going to play a big role again cause i think what we've seen against villa was long balls over top and he would head them down he's done a really really good job at that i think if we can get st max man on the last man as much as possible we're going to create problems mm, and obviously with yeah. target packing there's not really that onus on either him or Wood having to drop back a little bit deeper, of course, later on in the game you'll have to do that, but when you're wanting to you know, kick on and try and win the match and, and score goals, I think we've got to have him as forward as possible, but I think that leads us on to our predictions, so it's the last thing we uh, we do on this podcast, and if all of our predictions did come in, Newcastle would probably be top of the league, so try and ignore us, but we've been doing alright as of recent to be fair, so West Ham away London Stadium, me and Dan are going to the match hopefully we do get there, it's all on air uh, the LNER God, so hopefully <laughs> by the time you are listening to this we're on a train down to London, but it's West Ham, London Stadium, half-twelve on Saturday. Dan, what are you going for?
1: Well, we've been wrong quite a lot, like you said. I hope I'm wrong again, because I think this has one too far for us, and I think we're going to lose the game
2: 2-0. Alex, do you think a defeat as well? Uh, no, I'm going to go for a point. I think it'll be one all.
0: I'm going to go... I really don't know. It's either a draw or a defeat. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 West Ham, unfortunately, as well. It just uh, There's just something about going to that ground. The thing is, we, have, we actually have a very, very good record at the London's team. I think we've only lost once or twice there since they moved. And, you know, that that game in 2019 where we won 3-2 and Henri Saive's free kick. So we have some good memories of that ground and hopefully we can make some more on Saturday and push on in this relegation fight. But thanks, lads, for coming on. And this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage. Have Newcastle United as well as the rest of the Premier League, the AFL you name it, we have got it. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.